There we go. All right, all right. We're back. Uh, it is episode numero six of uh, Long and Hard Podcast. I'm numero uh, cease. Yeah, I'm uh, Thomas Harrington. I'm here in Edmonton. Slightly better weather today. I got my pink shirt on. Obviously, springtime. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my other host, co-host here. This is Josh Blaze coming to you from Montreal, Canada. They're doing like a water main repair outside of my window today. So they woke me up with a jackhammer at like 6.45 this morning. I guess they don't really have times where they start in uh, Quebec. So it was good times. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I'm feeling yeah. amazing. I got a coffee in me. I also got a new mic. So my voice may be a little bit better. I don't know. We'll, we'll It'll be like Josh's whispering directly into your ear all episodes so mm, you know that do you remember that like thing that was going around youtube a couple years ago maybe it was like last year and it was like the like the sound thing where you like oh asmr or whatever it's called that's that's what i'm thinking about where you like, <laughs> <laughs> you like eat an apple into your microphone or yeah, <laughs> whatever you are like oh my god this is so relaxing yeah I, I never got it but yeah i mean that's that's what we're going for today with this microphone <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's I keep... still a thing i don't know yeah I, I think it may be but yeah i i heard from a friend like i wouldn't know anything about it personally but <laughs> the story behind this microphone is actually hilarious. Tom and I started a <laughs> a band in grade. I didn't even think of this. This is good. <laughs> yeah, in in grade what eight? I guess I want to say. Yeah, it was grade eight. <laughs> yeah, grade eight. Thomas was the lead guitarist, and I was a the voice of a generation with this thing. <laughs> Josh was lead singer. Three <laughs> between those lines. Yeah, and then my balls dropped, and then uh game over we were gonna yeah. go like multi-plat and then that happened and uh yeah it know. was kind of the reverse justin bieber because everyone you know when justin bieber first came out they're like oh his voice will drop he'll suck afterwards but you know here he is but uh <laughs> unfortunately that, that wasn't the case for josh <laughs> unfortunately but i mean you never know we should start that up again that would be a good time for sure reunion tour uh 2019 yeah, no kidding. Well, it kind of ties into our like our our topic today a little bit about talking like our successes together, and uh, I guess in business, but also in music. So I mean, we never really played a show though. We played like for the neighborhood and stuff, but mm-hmm. they weren't exactly <laughs> willing, uh, w- willing listeners. But we played for them. Come coming over to tell tell us to shut the fuck up. Yeah, but. <laughs> uh. Playing out of the garage when it was like minus 20 out. That was good times. You know, it's funny because I was just thinking you, <laughs> we should see if your parents will rent us the uh, soundproofed room in your basement that eventually became our beat laboratory <laughs> and use it as a <laughs> podcast studio. That actually, yeah, I mean, it is pretty well soundproof. So <laughs> <laughs> throw up some a little bit more on the on the walls and stuff. And that would actually be pretty, pretty decent get a table in there and sit across from each other and <laughs> be good times. You want to take it away here? Yeah, let's do it. I think, uh, so today we're going to talk a little bit about the successes that Thomas and I have kind of had together and maybe a little bit individually as well in uh, business. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll talk a little bit about like the businesses we started in high, well, not high school, university should have been starting business in high school, but you know, we live and learn, right? But um, yeah, in university, 
uh, taking that out to our real estate careers together. Uh, and then, I mean, kind of what we're doing now too. So it's going to be a interesting episode. Uh, there's going to be some uh, <laughs> nostalgia probably. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be a good time. So I don't know. Where, where do you want to start with this one? Well, I, I mean, I guess our first real true foray into business that actually kind of worked was uh, our irrigation company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. we did a few tiny little things before that and in between, but I don't know, you you learned some lessons, but I don't know if that's really worth talking about per se. Yeah, making a couple hundred dollars on Amazon yeah. dropshipping. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. there are some funny that, stories with that uh, too. Yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, because... I'll just I'll just talk about dropshipping just for one second. You yeah. don't control the quality of the product. So we were going through a supplier and we would have reviews and people would be like, I received a broken iPad today. And we're kind of just sitting there like <laughs> not our fault, man. <laughs> we're just like yeah, actually uh... that that's a really good point because I mean I think if you're someone who uh has expressed any interest in e-commerce and make money online uh you'll well a you'll get berated with ads especially if you watch youtube videos you get berated with ads for all kinds of e-commerce drop shipping academy that's kind of the first place people start and i think it's because it's like it's an easy sell because you're like it's literally like a zero money down get started today sort of thing but there's a big catch with that right so and, and i think that's a really good takeaway is uh yeah, any kind of, I mean, drop shipping can be profitable. It can work, but you are physically very far removed by from a, almost any kind of quality control, right? In terms of product, uh, manufacturing time, shipping time, right? Mm-hmm. You're basically just using whatever system you, uh, another company has already created, right? Right. And I mean, I, I have like a horror story when it comes to drop shipping too. Like I was in the... I was getting a surgery done and I was in the hospital and I had shipped like a computer monitor to somebody on eBay. This was like a couple months after we had kind of closed up Amazon and everything. But oh my God. And the person was like just livid because the TV was like just smashed to pieces, man. Like he sent me pictures and I was like, holy fuck, this is brutal. (laughs) And was that doing the same drop shipping reseller platform that we had done or was it something else? Yeah, yeah, very similar. Oh, I think okay. we were even using like um I don't know if we were, I was using the same supplier or what I was doing, but it was just like, oh my god, it was a nightmare. And I was in the hospital and I was like in like excruciating pain, like trying to like text this guy on my phone and I'm just like I quit. <laughs> 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 yeah, so yeah, so yeah. if you want to if you want to have some great headaches, drop shipping is definitely one way to go with that for yeah. sure. Yeah, especially weird tech resale crap. But anyways, okay. so, uh, you know, our, our first, what I would call successful venture, truly, because we made, you know, a few thousand bucks. Uh, it was a small irrigation company, right? And it was um, basically like residential uh, irrigation systems you'd see in your backyard just to, for watering your plants and grass more consistently. Mm-hmm. I have no idea where we came up with the idea to do that in hindsight. Um, we had a, a, a third partner, uh, Dylan. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. we'll get him on the show. He's actually coming out to Montreal. Oh, yeah. This week. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. 
be maybe I'll get him. I'll, I'll I'll pass the mic between the two of us, and we can. No, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so he had actually. I think it was him. He was like doing some sort of like. I don't want to say he was installing an irrigation system for his mom or something, but he was like, it's so easy. It's like Lego. And that's actually exactly where it started. Yeah. And we're just kind of like, all right, sounds good. Um, Where do we begin? And I think we had rented like a room (laughs) at McEwen with a whiteboard. And we just kind of like went in there, kind of like hashed out a business plan and took pictures of it with our phones. I remember that. And uh, and then we just kind of like started. I don't know. We built a really shitty website. We um, started driving a little bit of ad traffic to it. I don't even know if we had posted like jobs on. I think we maybe posted a, our first job on Kijiji or something. Maybe and, it was maybe Kijiji, and we figured out uh, AdWords for the very first time, right? Yeah. And I, yeah. I would love to see our. keywords and you know ad copy and stuff from that because that was you know like five six years ago so yeah (laughs) it would be almost comical to see it we'll talk a little bit about that because it's actually hilarious like how that worked out but yeah i think the first job we ever did was like a repair job on kijiji and dylan and i went out to do it and we just didn't know what the fuck we were doing (laughs) it was essentially like repairing a head and i pretty much took dylan at his word for like Oh, we know what we're doing. So we essentially went to the job, found out what was wrong, left for lunch, in quotation marks, went to the Home Depot to pick up parts for the job, came back, did the repair, charged her like 170 bucks for our time, and then that was it. So that was our very first job, I think. But the very first big job we did, oh boy. (laughs) <laughs> was that the uh commercial si- or it was a system for like a like a uh like a business right yeah like for their a... front lawn kind of in an industrial area okay yeah yeah that was the yeah. job <laughs> well yeah i mean i think the overarching lesson here is i mean you, you don't want to get caught up over analyzing things especially if you're starting something or uh going out on on your own or whatever but uh jump before you look mentality is probably something we've both maintained to this day and even for something such as this show where we just kind of started doing it and then figured out how to distribute it after right so uh, that was the epitome of jump before you look (laughs) yeah so you know sometimes it's better to just not sweat the small stuff and you know kind of kind of for life too is it's all about execution right Mm -hmm. so you do need to take initiative at some point. And sometimes that means going for it and make it, you know, jumping off a cliff and building a parachute on the way down sort of thing. That's pretty much what we did with this company. But that first job was actually like, we hand dug all of the trench. Like we, like it was like a nightmare. Like we were there for like seven hours and it was a very, very small job. Like it was like, five sprinkler heads or something ridiculous like yeah. that. And we were hand digging it for seven hours or something like that. Um, and I mean, we got the pipe in the ground, did all that. Um, and I want to say it was like some sort of company involved in plumbing or something. So they actually did the tie and we didn't do anything like that. We just put the pipe in the ground, the sprinkler heads in the ground, and then they were going to sod the ground. 
uh, like two days later, and then they did the tie-ins and stuff, and the system didn't work. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's fuck that that was a good lesson really because you put all this effort into something, you plan it, you figure it out, you go there. It's way more work than you anticipated. Mm-hmm. So you put all this time, money, energy, effort into something. You go to we press see- the on switch and yeah. No. super undercharged for that job too like super undercharged yeah, like yeah. I, we were easily the lowest bit and that's why we got the job um but it wasn't our fault because we didn't have like we didn't control the water line or anything they had actually told us that the supply was going to be fine and it wasn't our fault at all it was it mm-hmm. was coming from like it, it, it was a weird story but we we did everything right on our end it just mm-hmm. didn't work because the water supply wasn't good enough or something. Yeah, the water supply wasn't. I mean, so in any kind of plumbing, or at least for the little bit I know about irrigation, is like when your supply pipe is smaller than your uh, like pipe for the system, mm-hmm. uh, it loses too much pressure and the water can't get all the way through. And I believe that was the issue we had. Yeah. So I think what they ended up doing, and we weren't involved in this, but they ended up like throwing a pump on the system and making it work. But oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. So like essentially just speeding the water delivery up to the system. But anyway, it was, it was a learning experience for sure. But I mean, oh man, that was, uh, that was pretty fun. Then the second job we did was like, oh, we were renting like a trencher from like this. Oh my God, this God awful company in Edmonton. (laughs) They're actually not around anymore. Hey, they, uh, they got bothered or something. Cause I mean, they're, you know, their customer service was just heinous the equipment was in extremely mediocre shape right i was gonna say i think there's a fucking reason that they're not around anymore but yeah oh my god dude like that that was that was a fun one too where we like got that like 50 year old trencher dug a bunch of trenches in this guy's backyard threw in a system that one actually worked like super well though Uh, yeah i mean we actually made a half decent product at the end of the day right like it it worked well uh Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's relatively simple and, you know, easy learning, learning curve. Right. So it was actually hilarious that system though, because we used this like super big spray head that was just drenching this guy's backyard, just one in the corner. <laughs> it, it covered the whole lawn perfectly, but it was just this motherfucking like thing. And then everything else on the system. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> I do now. I, I was thinking of a different house, but yeah, I do. You know, we were almost, this is where, you know, the inner accountant kind of came out between myself and our other uh, partner in, in this venture where it's like, okay, what does this do the job best? You know, it's not pretty. It's, <laughs> so, but uh, it worked. It worked well. The guy yeah, worked, happy. right? So, so um, yeah. And I mean, that one was pretty good. And then we actually put a lot of work into that one, like in addition to, because I think actually one very, very good point is when you're starting something, you probably should undercharge for your product to begin with. So you actually do get jobs and you get referrals get in in the the door. door. And yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, When I was doing some web development for another client, this is years later. That's kind of what I did is I just charged him like next to nothing to get a website online for him Mm -hmm. so I could get a referral. And that was kind of what we did with uh, the irrigation company. Kind of inadvertently. Inadvert- 100% inadvertently, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, um, uh, how many jobs did we do that summer? 
five, six, oh, something like that. I don't remember. Plus some smaller ones as well. Right. So yeah. Some repair know, jobs. I, I think the original title I wrote here for this was how to make $10,000 this summer with your friends. Right. <laughs> and it, because that's roughly what our gross revenue was, which yep. I mean, A, it's not bad, man. It was a bunch of 20, 21-year-olds uh, figuring out how to be in business for themselves working on the weekends, right? So, yep. uh, but yeah, the, I want to say, yeah, six, seven, eight-ish, right? I mean, we, you know, pretty much the entire like summertime, we were busy every weekend with it, right? Yep. And I mean, that's pretty much what we did. We worked every every other weekend or every weekend. It was enough to for beer money to go out with the boys and that was pretty much what it was for so <laughs> yeah and i mean I, I would still maintain that i learned a lot more about uh business than i did from my business degree frankly right because yep. you know when it's that small of a venture um you know you're like you did everything from concept to marketing to sales to design to the billing, to the accounting, to the de system design, to digging the, the fucking holes, digging the fucking hole in the ground, installing <laughs> it, filling in said hole, trying to replace the sod or whatever, right? Yeah, uh, and, and all the way, all the way down the line to you know paying, uh, doing arguably payroll because you know you had to pay yourself, right, as well. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, you know, there it's funny how we attacked it from such a simple, simple place and there's way more efficient ways to do that business because uh excuse me as we learned afterwards i mean we we uh so the third partner and another gentleman basically took it over as josh and i transitioned more into real estate right mm -hmm. and they were way more efficient <laughs> it's almost painful to look at in a way because they yeah. you know they found better ways of doing business right so uh especially when it comes to the equipment rental and stuff so pretty much every job we did in that first first season of it, if th those same guys were to go back and do that exact same job, they could probably do the biggest one in like two hours max, right? Because uh, you know there, there's a lot better ways to go about it without getting into the nuances of installing uh, residential sprinkler heads and <laughs> PVC piping. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, and also charging about probably three times what we were charging. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, well, let's kind of unwrap that because that's an interesting point you made where, yeah, looking back, I mean, we definitely didn't charge a lot. And, you know, there's a lesson there because uh, A, figuring out pricing, but wanting to either sell like a premium product or defend your value or price, like all of that really ties into it. And, you know, being confident in yourself and what you do and how much you charge for that, right? Um, and I think, uh, you know, maybe there are some miscalculations there on our part, uh, but also just having no clue. But then the inverse side of that is, okay, well, you're just starting out, maybe do a few things for, for free too, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I was going to say too, like you attract a certain kind of clientele when you super lowball things. And this is in every single industry. Like you see it in construction probably the most blatantly, but you see it everywhere too in that like there's a company that'll come in with a low ball offer and they get the job but the quality of the work is not tremendous like obviously we were doing actually very good quality work for the prices that we were charging but 
they have to, especially in the construction industry, inadvertently cut corners to actually make profits and stuff. And it's it gets pretty hairy. But on top of that, the kind of client that you get when you lowball is the kind of client that complains about fucking everything. <laughs> yeah. Fucking everything, man. Yeah. No, that, or yeah, if you want someone who's going to be really controlling, is that the right word to use? Uh, or just really, really, or not give you any control and really be breathing down your neck and yep. uh, making sure you're, um, you know, really not giving you any kind of flexibility or freedom within what you do. Uh, even though in theory you're, you're the expert, right. And you know, this is an old adage and something I've really come to learn too on the real estate side of things is, you know, sometimes like a a thousand dollar paycheck or whatever is just as much work as, or a thousand dollar client is just as much work as a $10,000 client, right. If not more more work, sometimes more, more often than not more. Right. So, uh, you know, and that, that's not said with like a looking down my nose at anyone kind of point of view, but you need to decide who you're going to be and what you're going to do in business. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to be, you know, the low cost option, like that's fine, but, uh, understand what's going to come with that. And then if you want to go really high end premium service as well, uh, well, obviously there, there's different drawbacks there as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be on your game if you're doing that sort of thing, but also th- that kind of clientele at the very high end, like, they complain a lot less. Like their time is more valuable. They're off doing other things that is more that are more important to them. So they're not kind of like <laughs> keeping one eye on you while you're doing the job that you're you should be an expert at, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it's something that we could definitely talk about in another podcast is like pricing schemes. Well, I don't I wouldn't call it pricing schemes, but like a pricing what's the word I'm looking for? structure i guess and like actually targeting who you would want as clientele for your personal business i guess right right even part of that would be uh what do they say like the your kind of avatar of your customer your customer demographics right yeah your ideal customer yeah and i mean if as the old saying goes if you want to be everything to everyone all the time like that that's not really a good or sound business or customer acquisition model at all you will be nothing to nobody. <laughs> Put that on a poster. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was the first business we had actually like started together. I mean, we did the Amazon drop shipping. Then we did this. And then we went into real estate together. And let's talk a lot about that one. Because that's <laughs> pretty much. Talk I mean, a lot yeah, you're still selling houses today. I'm still kind of involved in the industry from a like fifty thousand point fifty thousand foot view, I guess. Like it's pretty much like what we know and love. So yeah, let's talk mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, for, for sure. I mean, so the rest we, of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to do, you know, kind of more a, a realtor episode, uh, or real mm-hmm. estate episode and more specifically kind of give a breakdown a bit more of what uh I did or we did as agents and some kind of behind the scenes of certain uh, structures, I guess, of the business or how it really works as an agent, right? Especially because, mm-hmm. I mean, even you probably still get asked, but I get asked all the time about what it takes, what's involved, et cetera, right? So, yeah. Uh, but for us, you know, we started on a team uh, where 
or I had started on the team and Josh uh, got his license about five, six months later, right? Yeah, you started um, in August. I think I started in January. Yeah, that February. sounds about right. Um, so, we, you know, we started on a big team with, uh, you know, one of a top producing agent at the time. Uh, and, you know, he would basically supply the business, the leads for us there. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was a very, it was an old school way of doing business disguised as like high tech. Right. Um, and you know, there, there's a lot of that in real estate where because certain aspects of the MLS are kind of, uh, well, let's call it blocked off or just very, very dated or not as efficient as they should be. Mm -hmm. Um, they end up being, um, Again, and then they kind of dress it up as a more high tech option. But regardless, you know, we, we were doing that. And for Josh and I, it just seemed very inefficient uh, coming from the more entrepreneurial mindset and doing our own thing. We were a naturally more inclined to go our own route. And then B part of that is. Uh, well, you know, a from our schooling and all, all of the above, you're kind of looking at business processes and when something's inefficient, it'll stick out to you, right? And, you know, I, I had a very wise professor once tell me in university that, you know, if if you ask someone, hey, why do we do this this way? And the answer is, well, that's how it's always been done. You know, you should get the, like, Bugs Bunny dollar signs in your eyes because that's a huge, huge opportunity, right? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, we were there for, well, I was there for, like, a month, and I was like, this doesn't really make sense. You have to also realize, like, there's a traditional brokerage model in real estate and that traditional model kind of charges the agent an exorbitant amount of money per month to be an agent at that brokerage and we're not going to name any names or anything like that but at this particular brokerage we were paying like a sum of money that did not make any fucking sense whatsoever to pay out on a monthly basis and I think I remember like turning to you and being like, like, how is this financially viable for like a brand yeah. new real estate yeah. agent um, to get into the door and be paying this out on a monthly basis where you're really not getting anything in return for it besides having the name behind you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, uh, you know, without getting way too into that, and that'd be more of a specific advice too newer realtors, but, uh, right. yeah, you know, it, it, it was a lot of money and for an old system and there, there's no real benefit. So I guess that sought us to look elsewhere. Right. And, you know, I, I had been doing it for a few months at that point, had a few deals under my belt. Uh, definitely the first team leader we had was extremely, extremely helpful for me. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of learning what to do. Like I, I definitely learned a lot in that time and even stuff that, you know, still helps me today. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, we started shopping around uh, brokerages um, and then, you know, I kind of talked to almost everyone in the city because I wanted no grass is greener kind of phenomenon, right? Uh, it, it's very easy, especially, you know, in this day and age and even this was a few years ago, but it's still the case where uh, you kind of have people put in their, you only see the sunny days, right? On social media, you only see the good times. So it's very easy to look at them and see that and assume some level of their success is tied to where they're working or where they're at. Right. And, uh, very flawed way of looking at things. Right. Um, 
But anyways, so I uh, wanted to avoid the grass is greener mentality, see what everywhere had to offer uh, and make the best decision. So we kind of went more for a brokerage where uh, it was, I guess, slightly more, I would say, in a way tech focused or at least uh, a more efficient, leaner business model. Yeah, uh, I would definitely say leaner business model for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that would be a uh, lower cost to agents and to consumers. Right. And then our goal was to be uh, a, like a team, just the two of us. And uh, yeah, could, you know, basically share everything 50, 50 more or less uh, and uh, be a really drive uh, listings and get a lot of listings and drive traffic that way. Um, and then, uh, I mean, at the time, I think we had a long-term goal of a development, developing it into more of a true team where you had agents under us. We never quite got to that point, uh, but yeah. continuing on to eventually start our own uh, venture as well, right? Yeah, the the business model that we had joined actually probably would not have been viable for a team. Um, it was that kind of mm-hmm. like, it was almost that lean of an organization that the viability for a team scenario would have been extremely difficult, I think, to pu- have pulled off. Yeah, the the margins weren't quite there. It would have to be a very drastically changed or new or revolutionary kind of model. It depends what word you want to use, but yeah, yeah. And I mean that summer that we were there, I want to say we had between the two of us like twenty three or twenty four listings, and it was like I think the max was at one point twenty seven because that's still my record to this day where we had. Yeah. 27 listings in our inventory. And that was, you know, uh, ones, both ones I was in charge of, you were in charge of ones we kind of shared more equally, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like 27 listings for agents that had been in the industry for less than a year, less than one full year is Uh, fucking unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in an incredibly challenging market too. Right. So, yeah, I mean, conversely, the other side of that is, you know, listings are cool, but we were in a pretty tough, buyer's market so uh, <laughs> how many of those sold <laughs> yeah uh, maybe we won't share those numbers as a percentage but uh, <laughs> it, it, it was certainly an uphill battle that summer and having lots of listings but you know we definitely achieved our goal uh, in that respect right because our goal was to be more listing focused agents uh, we came into a model that would allow us to generate a lot and then more importantly the actual execution of getting those clients right yeah. And I mean, the way that we went about getting those listings was like, we had gone the advertising route that nobody else really was doing. And that paid dividends too. Like, and I mean, you've probably developed that to the nth degree to what we were doing back in the day, but like, pretty, pretty decent. Right. Or I think that was where we carried over our um, knowledge more- from like the, uh, e-commerce irrigation. and yeah irrigation e-commerce uh general internet marketing knowledge where it's more of uh i guess niche marketing right um, yep. and specifically google adwords and in, in a unique way that like other people weren't doing and even today like i can tell you very very limited people are still doing that right it's definitely a good profitable little corner of the internet that uh, we figured out and I have since refined a little bit more with my AdWords skill, but yeah, I mean, let's go back to that just for a second. The irrigation company, I think we spent 
$300 that summer on advertising. And we got Which is back just such an like unfathomably small amount, right? Amount of money. And we got back yeah. about 15 or 16K. Like that's fucking insane. Yeah. Hey, I mean, really. <laughs> hey, I mean, it shows you, I guess, what's profitable based on, you know, if your advertising works, but uh, kind of how like, you know, as you level up, you'll, you're, you'll get new problems too, which is a good thing and a bad thing. But I remember, you know, kind of the scarcity mindset of, you know, spending 300 bucks on AdWords. It was kind of like, oh shit, we spent 300 bucks on AdWords. Like it, <laughs> it felt like a lot at the time. Right. And now right. for me, like on a cheap month, that's what I spend on AdWords and, you know, on a monthly basis. And that, that's still very profitable. Right. But it, it's kind of uh, how you adjust to new stim- stimuli. Right. We're not going to talk too much about the internet in this podcast, but I mean, like in this episode, but let's mm-hmm. put it this way. $300 in three months is fucking peanuts. <laughs> people are doing people are doing that on a fucking hourly basis. If not like in advertising, there's people that are spending tens of thousands of dollars a week on advertising. And uh, yeah, like it's the ocean is so big that um, three hundred dollars doesn't make, in the words of Crystalia, a fucking dent. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, what? Let's uh, for uh, for getting back to the real estate team here. Um, obviously, that was kind of what went well right you know we got to a high level of listings uh over the two-ish years we did it we we definitely sold a lot of property i mean um the numbers that i roughly calculated once upon a time was that uh we uh between the two of us like as the two of us we sold approximately enough to be just right around the top 10 percent of realtors uh, mm-hmm. in the city or we were, you know, flying just under that number ever so slightly. Uh, but then the way it's calculated is we individual cause it's on an individual basis, not a team right. basis, yeah. but an individual, we were more roughly top 20% give or take. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, pretty respectable numbers for, for younger agents. Right. Um, in two years, I think we sold, I want to say like seven and a half million dollars in property or something like that. Yeah. That that's sounds really uh, right. Yeah, I'd have to go look at the numbers again, frankly. But yeah. uh, similarly, and that's uh, just on like a listing, uh, listing sales side. Like you have a listing agent and a buyer's agent, right? So, mm-hmm. and but, and I'll add an addendum to that. That's Edmonton too. So Edmonton does not have like it's not San Francisco or fucking Vancouver or, or something. Or New like. York, where I mean Ryan Serhant just did a video yeah. the other day where he has he has 1.2 billion dollars in listing inventory but yeah. every home is like 5 million dollars right so yeah so not that seven, he doesn't work hard or anything but you have to remember it, Edmonton being a landlocked city is relatively inexpensive compared to others a- right average so. ha- average house price in Edmonton i think in the time was like 360k or something like that it's about 370 375 is usually where it floats around right yeah. average price for real estate give or take i think it did get down to about 360 around 2016 uh, yeah. and then kind of crawling way back up here. Yeah. 
I'm just trying to justify that 7.5 mil, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's a bad, bad number. It's not. It's nothing to be ashamed of, right? So, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I mean, I guess what what didn't work, or what would you do differently if, if we were what, doing that part again? What would I do differently? Hmm. I think I think we would have probably taken a step back on the internet thing and gone a little bit harder on it. Um, we had wanted to do open houses and stuff. We were doing some like stuff that was kind of like not scalable, I guess, for our time. Um, just being the two of us, were we in a team scenario and had built a team that may have been something we could have considered? Um, I'm trying to think what else I would have done differently. Like as part of the the two two man team, we were. I don't know. I think we did a lot of it right for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. What about you? Well, yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's in life. One should not be looking back on should have done this, should have done that, right? So, mm -hmm. but uh, no, no regrets, as they say. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I mean, it's you know, end of the day, it 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 went well. I I think. Uh, it's maybe that's a flawed question to ask because you know you can only now look at that scenario with the knowledge you have now but at that time uh, you didn't have it right uh, I do think one thing that I would say to everyone regardless of business and one thing that we didn't do enough was going kind of all in on social media because if you look at how social media is used now specifically with realtors like everyone's kind of doing very similar things, but there were a lot of agents doing what is now kind of the norm as a realtor back in 2015, 16, 2014 earlier, right? Yeah. So it was something where the knowledge was out there and should have gone a bit heavier on it at the time. I think that would be the only thing I would change, dare I say, right? Yeah. But that yeah, was that. Trying to stay away from being like a social media whore or something back in the day, and now I'm kind of just a whore. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well if you i mean w us specifically at our age and you know peers of ours and around us we came up at a funny time where uh the generation before us like if i have a client who's you know five to eight years older than me and you know i want to go add them on facebook later or whatever yeah. like they don't have a profile they're impossible to find they have it super limited because that they came up from the generation where especially in a work environment they were saying, you know, be careful what you post on social media. Don't put it all out there. And I guess by default, when, you know, Facebook first came out, people would just post pictures of them being shit faced or whatever and nothing else. But even so, that, that generation kind of came more from the don't post anything there. And now, now it's all about content, authenticity, you know, uh, creating, putting it out there. And, and not just for a more entrepreneur type person, but just for like, employees too right so mm -hmm. we're kind of right in the middle and it's i guess finding that balance but it's something where we really witnessed that transition firsthand and uh you know it's something arguably should have jumped on earlier and you know it's very much a strong gift to have but seeing opportunities in the market where uh something is you know not too expensive quite yet not everyone's doing it. It's not overly saturated. Yep. And um, well, figuring out how it works to your industry, right? So 
at the time, Google AdWords, I mean, Google Ads has always been expensive. Like we're, you know, if, if you want to go back to like the early to mid 2000s, that's when it was truly inexpensive. Mm-hmm. And we got in at an okay time. Uh, it, it's definitely very expensive now, right? So it's, you know, if you want to go compete at the broad level, like something like Edmonton Realtor is ungodly expensive, right? You have to have a very deep pockets to, to compete at that level, right? So yeah, uh, I think uh, something like that would have been so going heavier on the social. I would say video, right? Because almost everyone does listing videos these days. Right. When we were still as our team, the Evolve Group, as we called ourselves, like listing videos were just getting started, if you recall. And, you know, that would have been something, again, that, but that ties into the social, the content thing. And I, mm-hmm. I think that was something that uh, it's should have gone more all in with at the time. And uh, if you're not doing it now, you really need to be, you're kind of playing, playing catch up. And that even applies to both ourselves, I would say at this point. So. Yeah, I, I'll just add that the fee structure that we were under at said brokerage was also a little bit limiting in like what we could provide for clients. So mm-hmm. like we were dealing with, I mean, the the margin almost it didn't make sense to do the video and stuff. Like mm-hmm. It was kind of mm-hmm. like it was kind of like that tight. Yeah, but and that I mean that goes back to like the thing we were just talking about previously with the irrigation company and like undercharging too. Like you can't provide like the exact same service that a company that charges a little bit more would be able to provide, even though you kind of say you can, I guess, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, it gets down to a few nuances and some of the stuff that might be considered fluff by some such as myself. But yeah, uh, what I would. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good takeaway. And, you know, it's all about. Uh, knowing your value and figuring out a, a good price. And, you know, if you do things too cheap, you will attract a customer you probably don't want to work with or, or the wrong type of people. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, you, you, we were meeting people, um, at least personally, I was meeting a couple of people that were in like some dire straits when it came to selling their houses. And it, uh, I don't know, it got a little bit interesting for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's that's part of the business, I would say, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, uh, some negative life situations that uh, people encounter and real estate becomes involved. And, you know, you want to be as helpful as you can and do your best for people. But you, you do have to say no, you do have to defend yourself. And you do have to understand, you know, uh, there are sometimes, frankly, like, casualties of war. This is what I would always say for at least for real estate when you're in a really, really bad market such as we were and still are in some ways is unfortunately you're going to come across someone who is way underwater on their home and you know, there's no way it will sell for that price ever again. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. there's just nothing you can do for them. Right. Yeah. No, very true. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting scenario for sure. But Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think between these two, businesses and everything in between is knowing more about uh pricing and finding a good price and then defending that value but also not just selling on price alone right right because if you do that uh it it all ties together you kind of go back to find attracting the the discounter or someone wanting the best deal right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and not saying you shouldn't maybe be straight up about your pricing or charge a fair amount or blah 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 but you know you need you need to go one way or another with it and you know yeah you should maybe do some deals for free or whatever in the start to to get some referrals get some work in your portfolio but uh, you know, I think that's the biggest lesson from our successes was not, and you don't want to look back on it on a, a kind of a scarcity mindset of, oh, I could have been making so much more, blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. could you have charged more and had the exact same results? Yes. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, like my dad, for example, in the company that he runs, is very much about going like the very premium route, like definitely targeting the the customer that wants everything, right? Like doesn't want to worry about anything. They want everything taken care of. And I mean, there's definitely justification for going that route too. So it's almost like we learned <laughs> what different uh, clientele is looking for and also, like, at what different, uh, I want to say margins or different uh, brackets those clients fall into. It was, uh, it's, it's definitely like a case study in like that sort of thing. Yeah, there, there certainly is like a price bracket. And uh, we saw it firsthand. And I think that's kind of the point, too, is that, uh, you know, you, you need to see these first thing, these things firsthand and figure it out. Right. And, you know, even with, even to that, it could go the other way where, uh, you might conceptualize a business, price it all out, uh, do your marketing, try to get some quotes out there, try to get leads, try to get traffic and no one buys because you're overpriced or the, the demand just isn't there in the market too. Right. So it's, it's the good old, uh, jump and then look, uh, ready, go, set is that what it is ready fire <laughs> aim i believe that's uh uh what's his name one of the california million dollar listing guys he has a thing in his book josh altman altman okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's ready fire aim so basically correct course as you go right yeah one thing that i also noticed too is that like um as you move from the different brackets like certain brackets advertising is more effective effective certain brackets you're actually going to go out and have to interact with those people and make cold calls and that sort of thing too. Like it's very interesting in that like for a very high ticket item, you're probably not going to be advertising very much for it. Like you don't see advertisements for Lamborghinis or for advertisements for Toyota. I'm just kind of like thinking of this as we, but like certain brackets, certain brackets, word of mouth is going to be more effective. Yeah. I don't know. I'm coming to like an epiphany as I'm saying this. So, no, I, I, that's very true, right? And your, how you reach certain channels is different, right? And a more, Mm -hmm mass audience or more of a niche audience or yeah again higher ticket items and there's kind of that adage out there and you know a lot of people say it in like a a douchey way and they're like you don't see lamborghinis advertised on tv because those people don't watch tv it's like well no it's just such a small audience that statistically it makes absolutely no sense right 
So, and you know, someone who can afford that, that type of vehicle. Yeah. It's more about kind of doing like a networking event or something, something for, for that, or like a launch event, uh, at your dealership, right. Versus yeah. taking out a Google ad for Lamborghinis in Edmonton. Cause I don't think anyone's seriously Googling that. Right. So yeah, we're starting a, a billion dollar F1 team or something like that. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's, there's different, there's levels to this shit, man. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, even, I mean, uh, I think doing a specific advertising episode would be good and sharing what we know and where we've succeeded and kind of how people can start to learn as well. Right. Uh, we're definitely both pretty big Google guys, but there's a lot of other options out there. Right. Yeah. And there's even still a time for, for direct mail and pen and paper and looking stamps too. Right. Like that's not totally out the door either. So. I mean, you might differentiate yourself by doing uh, direct mail these days. <laughs> There's like that adage is like, fuck another email. Oh my God, I got a, I got a letter in the mail and you open it. Cause, and then 20 years ago, it was like, oh, another letter in the mail. Oh my God, I got an email. Like it's, it's literally backwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, so, kind of how the, the pendulum is, has shifted. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's all a pendulum, man. Just goes swings back and yeah. forth so and uh you know i i think for ventures together to to those are probably the two best ones right mm-hmm. uh so far i mean hopefully long and hard podcast is builds upon the the previous ones but uh you know i probably a story for another day but the next step from where we went of our team was our our own brokerage which was veritas realty yep. and you know that crashed and burned relatively quick Right. And I, I think there's 101 lessons and miscalculations we made in there. But mm-hmm. uh, I think probably the biggest one was, you know, you really shouldn't be going around blaming the market like, oh, it's a tough market, blah, blah, blah. But market conditions are inevitable. They do influence your business. Right. So mm-hmm. I think we started it in an October or November, which was just the worst idea ever. Right. Because <laughs> and, and, you know, Fall can actually be quite good for real estate. And I would tell that to new agents is like, you know, I've had some really great and we have together like October's, November's, you can still sell a lot of homes going into the winter. It's kind of your second spring. Yeah. But, you know, you kind of need to understand there is a, you should always be building a system to get like to a consistent revenue or whatever every month. Right. But like there is a cyclicity, cyclic, no, cyclic, Oh boy. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a cyclical market for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, you need to understand that and leverage that. And when spring comes around, you need to double and quadruple down when yep. fall comes around. Same story. Uh, when it's winter time, you know what, maybe even dare I say ease off a little bit or try to, you know, keep the consistency going if you can, but, uh, it's almost better to, I guess, save up for, for the spring months, right? Without, yeah. you know, you don't want to mail it in the entire month of December because there's a lot of agents out there who do that. But uh, a lot know, of you, a lot of agents take off to uh, to travel in December. I mean, yeah. I have a couple advertising clients that they just they shut down until like March. <laughs> oh no way! Hey? Yeah, so like they just like shut yeah. it right off. But yeah, I or think if that was if you're going to go out. that route, like. You kind of got to do it or, or, or decide that's what you're going to do and just make the other time count. I mean, you know, one of the highest performing agents I've ever known personally, and you knew him too, mm-hmm. uh, took 
six months off a year and only worked here for six months yeah. <laughs> and, you know, sold in the top 1% of agents in, in, in the city. Right. So hammered uh, it, that six months. Yeah. It was impressive, but uh, yeah, you know, and there's something to, to that too. And, you know, leveraging those times a year that would work out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, we could probably do a completely separate podcast on Veritas and I mean, this is more a success podcast. We can go into the failure podcast too. <laughs> Coming soon. Failure Coming show. Soon. Yeah. I mean, we're we're working on long and hard together. We're doing uh, an internet venture together as well. That's slow, but it's it's coming around too. So yeah, I mean, and I don't think that's this is the last thing we do together either. No, probably not. I mean, you know, once you kind of have if you're someone wanting to start a business or your own venture or do a side hustle or whatever, like just go out and do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might not go perfectly. It might go. Okay. It might, you might look back and have gone better, but you'll at least be learning from it. Right. That I think that's the most important thing. And, and you, you just need to do it right. Because, you know, it's almost a cliche to say you're an entrepreneur or whatever, because it's, so mainstream now and everyone claims they are one right so uh and it's a very attractive thing but you have to understand a lot of people aren't walking the walk per per se right so and you know it's once you get out there and do it it's not so bad and you know if you if it doesn't go well or it fails you pick yourself dust yourself up and uh go to the next one right yeah i think we'll cut off this podcast at that because that is literally the title of the next episode episode seven is going to be just do it and that's <laughs> seriously and that's gonna be, to Phil, <laughs> read read shoe dog it's a good book um no but uh, seriously that i think that is an amazing point to leave off on is that um execution is everything when it comes to this stuff like you can dream about doing whatever it is and it's not necessarily just in business but and anything in life. Um, but nothing's going to happen until you pull the trigger and actually go out and start learning from your, your failures and, and, uh, and from your successes too. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, and the momentum is a huge thing in that once you get the ball rolling stuff starts coming to you. And I mean, it's just like starts the craziest shit happens and things like start manifesting themselves out in front of you and you're, it's all because you showed up. So, yeah, I think we'll. Uh, that is definitely episode seven. So, tune in next week for that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sounds yeah. good. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's call it there. Sounds good. Uh, in any closing remarks, or is, let's take off from here. Uh, you know, I felt like that last part I said flowed pretty nicely, so we should probably <laughs> just end it before uh, before it falls apart. End on a high <laughs> note. That's another yeah, lesson. Exactly. from the boys at long and hard have yourselves a great week talk to you next week